Amazing. Thank you so much. Perfect timing. The tea's here from Rabbi Tetz. Thank you so much. And the other rabbis here, this is all in honor of the jelly. I'm an uh, alumnus, like someone who had the merit to learn in this base midrash in my beginning, beginning years. And that was in 1998-99. I'm aging myself here. You see the gray hairs, they're growing as we speak. Um, but the JLE was a place that really changed my life and I'm honored. It's been 25 years or so, maybe a bit less, since I've come back to this place and learnt Torah with, together with you guys. I maybe walked in a few times uh, for Shabbos or for like, a, maybe for a, for, a, for a schmooze with back in the day with Rabbi Kirsch or Rabbi Stepsky, you know, that's how I'm aging myself. And I haven't been here for a while, have they? Um, but, uh, you know, big credit to all those individuals who taught here, special Rab Bonham and all the staff who were part of my growth in the end of the 90s. What I want to discuss tonight after just literally getting off a plane and going through passport control with my daughter, because she's not Israel, she's not UK, so it took a bit longer, you know, that's how it works. Um, I've been married now 21, 22 years, and uh, there was JLE representatives at my wedding in Yushalayim. But before we get to that point, I just want to catch you up what happened before I became who I am now and what the JLE did for me. And then I'll introduce who I am and how this is connected to you guys. We, we see on the table, it's about tshuva. You know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. So thank you, Rabbi, for, for learning that before I came, because that's the light that we want to share, especially Erev Rosh Hashanah, Pashas Nitzav and V'yelech. It's a special time of year where the, the you are now, the seventh Shabbos of Nechamta, of comfort after the three weeks, which is a more sadder time of destruction and difficulty. We are now at that climax point of comfort as we prepare now for the, the big days ahead of Tishrei. So we're in a, we have an eight spot song. We already have a lot of heavenly help in everything we're doing, in our connection to, our, to ourselves, to our creator, to our learning, to our praying. Everything we're doing now is on a different level at this time of year. It's an extra, extra Saturday Shemaya. So we should all, all allow ourselves to experience it. It's not something anyone should, uh, should just take for granted that when you get to this point of the year, it's the climax of the year, especially a time of Tavshim Pei Gimel. There's been a tremendous you know, change in the world the last few years. I don't know if you've all felt it. I'm sure you have. Thank God getting here, no corona issues. Thank God. Hasn't come back yet, God forbid. We should not see that return because it was smooth as anything getting through the airports in that sense. But uh, still, there are people wearing masks. It's, you know, people are talking. You, you hear the murmurs. So it's been a, that in itself was a, tran a big transition time for all of us. I, I'm sure you all felt that way. And uh, you know, but to go back into the 90s before all this technology, before the phones, you know, I'd walk into the JLE, and there was there was nothing with me other than the Gemara and the Rebbe. And you can't really imagine that that time period of of what it was like to come to this place where we literally were disconnected from everything out there and this really was a place of just pure Torah and learning and I hope some, on some level even with the technology 
you're able to still accomplish that kind of level of connection and you know even the wi-fi code connect now yeah <laughs> that was cool i was like yeah all right i'm connected i'm tuned back into the energy of the journey because basically i'll tell you my personal story i grew up in north london uh, it was more secular uh, my family were edge of reform for some reason i don't know how we ended up there but then slowly slowly now they're back in the united and uh, i'm here for Bermitzvah, which is in Hendon United. Thank God, you know, that's changed for the good. Just going to make a bracha bracha down. And uh, by the way, you can ask any questions. I'm, I'm totally open. But first, let me just give a very quick intro so you can get to the questions. Um, growing up in London, and I just did a recent talk for B'nai Akiva, and I really told a lot of fun stories about myself, which if anyone wants to listen, it's a Unity Flow podcast, which is going to be something I'm going to mention near the end, what I'm doing now. But uh, I got into more of the description, more the social side of stuff, how I dealt with relationship challenges, which is definitely a very important hot topic for our time in history and for our generation. We are in a base bridges, so we have to be respectful. Um, so you can listen to that rather than me repeat what I spoke and I just did that this week um, and I'll get you the link yeah yeah thank you well I have to say one of the most inspirational parts of my journey just to jump straight to Rabbi Tatz was um, when I came here and the first speaker I heard was Rabbi Tatz Rabbi Kiva Tatz your father should be well Really? <laughs> Don't confuse me. <laughs> no, I'm just after a flight, man. <laughs> so, literally, you never know with Gil Gulim, you know. Um, but I, I walked in here and uh, it was packed. And he was a superstar. I don't know if it, how it is now because it's yeah. more probably online. But in person, it was an in person experience. It was packed all the way, everything. And. Uh, that was one of the topics he spoke about intimacy relationships things that you wouldn't you know maybe back in the day Rabonim publicly would bring mccoyris and and he i mean he was bringing from his rebbe rabbi shapiro and people who were holding it but i was walking in with none no like knowledge of torah you know i went to edgeware school you know that's real rough yeah if you would imagine what it was like back then when the estate was in its full you know decadence or however you want to say it <laughs> and uh, you know now they've redone it you know however the, the word is what well, they do over there but it's all nice buildings now but um, back then it was rough and tough I got beaten up a bunch of times and I experienced you know the tough side of life growing up in Edgeway in that way um, it meant I didn't have much connection with Jews I did get beaten up a bunch of times which helped me Ask the question, and this is what I went to Israel with, this is what I came into the JLE with, why am I Jewish? Why am I Jewish? What does that mean? Now, I went through the English school system, and the climax of, of education and history, which was my favorite subject, was the Holocaust. That was, you know, the, the Great Depression and what that led to with the war. And then the last subject we studied, my last A-level course in history, was about the Holocaust. And I was thinking, well, wait a minute. I haven't heard anything about my people ex throughout the, all these you know, years of learning history. They didn't really come up at all, except for the worst part of our history, which is the Holocaust. I didn't hear about our great temple time of David and Melech and Solomon. I didn't hear about our, our huge academies in Bavl and, and Eretz Israel. 
the, the Talmud Bavli, I didn't even know what that was, the Talmud Yushalmi, I didn't even know. I didn't know what all the great Hasidic Rebbe's, all this wealth of tradition, I had no knowledge, nothing. So I needed to now adjust myself to begin that search. And that was the question I came in here with. Why am I Jewish? What does that mean to me? And thank God, when you walk into the JLE in places like this, it was filled with answers, filled with opportunities, especially when I went to Israel. And uh, first trip I went, I ended up actually um, going up to Svat during my university year. And I went right uh, at the beginning. And it was a very, very powerful trip. I went there Rosh Hashanah. I didn't even know I was going Rosh Hashanah. That's how crazy, imagine it. And even like, it wasn't even like in the story. I, I had long hair, earrings, you know, like, and I wandered into a religious Rosh Hashanah in Sfat, which was perfect for me, because I, if I would have walked into Osamech at that point, it would have just been like black hatters, it would have just been too much from where I'm, I was at. So, you know, God is a good planner, and he, he guided me right and took me to Sfat first. And I had an amazing experience. Um, my brother-in-law-to-be, uh, who I ended up marrying, his twin sister, was the one who, I, who was in Sfat, who I went to go visit. Yeah, you remember, Rafael. And uh, he got to speak about Berkowitz and this and that. But that was later on. At that point, he was also a long-haired, more hippie. And we both met in Sfat, and that changed my life, that experience, touching base that. But then I had to get back to university, had what to do. And once in university, I had, you know, seeds had been planted after that experience in Sfat. I'll, I'll give you just one or two stories. I mean, you want to hear a little bit of details what happened yeah. there? So Sfat... Let's say, so Sfat, basically one of the important things was it was a lot of soul, a lot of neshama. People like Aaron Rozel, he was a young guy then, now he's a famous Jewish artist, but then he was a young guy, his brother Jonathan Rozel, if you know the Jewish music scene, um, I work very much in that world now. And uh, he was just a young guy playing the guitar on the rooftops and there was a whole scene going on up there. And uh, my stepbrother-to-be was the host and I ended up uh, being by him. And he said to me, what's your name? I said, uh, Eliezer. That's what I remember, the reform rabbi all those years back. Somehow I remembered, I, I assume, I think that's what it is. Who, I said, who is Eliezer? He said, oh, he's this black guy that worked for Avram Avinu. And I was like, oh, um, sounds good. Uh, you know, Eliezer Avid Avram. So I'll, I'll go with that. I'll be Eliezer. And uh, that was what people, everyone started calling me Eliezer. That, that's an important part of my story because it gets clarified later on. Anyway, up there, one of the challenges was there was a lot of weed and stuff like that going on up there. And I made, I had a certain experience over that time period, that year, where thank God I managed to cleanse myself of that. Uh, we, we can get into that if anyone's interested in it. That's up to you. You can choose that topic. Another point was Coalition, another challenge. That was going on up there. And that made me think, planted some seeds about that challenge. And the most important thing for me was now, yeah. Kolisha, because it was going on. What is that? Oh, Kolisha, sorry. Thank you. Kolisha is when a woman sings in front of men. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Kolisha. The, the rabbis here can explain it more detailed halakhically and give you the more laws behind it. But basically, if I grew up in the music world, which I did, you know, if, as I said, you can listen to the podcast. I used to run nightclubs and I, I was VIP at events. My dad just dropped me off. This week he was with my uncle and they got a stone in the road on the music wall of fame or music lane or whatever it's called with their names on it you know harvey goldsmith this was this week i've got a great picture of it it was all over the media and uh you know that's the world i grew up my brothers are still in that world and 
you know, I was working uh, when I came to Jelly. I was working up the road at the at the warehouse of my father, and then I'd come I'd come learn here and then go work there. Come learn here and work there. I'll tell you a funny story. When I ended up in Orsamer, yeah, how I got to Jelly was obviously uh, an Orsamer is a story in itself because I went, let me just catch you up and I'll jump back to the, the warehouse story because it's funny. So I ended up basically back to university and then after being in university, I met just the right people. I met the rabbi next to my apartment, the only rabbi miles and miles around in, in uh, Brighton, Rabbi Pesach Efun. Anyone heard of him? Yeah, yeah. So it was literally next to my house and I, I, I didn't stay on the campus. I was staying in an apartment that my friend, my best friend who comes up many times in my story, he got me for his family, a nice apartment by the beach. And what was important about this experience was that I had a beautiful shop to go to. It's funny because there was a famous boxer standing outside, Chris Eubank, if anyone's heard of him. Mm. He was standing outside polishing his truck. I, I don't know what was more shiny, him or the truck. <laughs> and uh, we said to him, do you want to come in for, for Shabbos? We invited him. And that was part of the whole, every time we saw him on, on Shabbos day, so about Saturday, we'd, we'd say, come, come, come in. And we'd always sit, leave a space there for him. So one time I turn around and see the spare chair that he, did, cause he didn't come. But I suddenly see this gorilla teddy bear there sitting there. So a few of us were having a good laugh. But the point was, um, we, we, we carried on with this journey and I had an amazing experience in, in Brighton. I really was inspired. And uh, I have to say that my life changed because I went from someone who was who was uh, focused on, you know, more materialistic way of life. And I suddenly started accessing a much more spiritual side to myself. And I knew the only way I could consolidate was get back to Israel. So I went for Pesach. I had time off from university and I went for a month to to Israel now. The problem is you can go to Israel and you can have a very spiritual experience. But if you go to the wrong place, my first intention was my friends in, UK, in university were Jewish, were trying to guide me towards the club owner in Haifa and the not good thing and the not good thing. But what happened was they were too lazy and drugged off their head to even come pick me up. So the people that I did know who I happened to be at the airport at the same time said, don't worry, stay by us tonight, we'll send you to Jerusalem. That's where you need to be. They sent me to Jerusalem the next day, ended up by the Heritage House, famous house, yeah, by, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Jeff Seidel and the other rabbi, the famous Rabbi Meir Schuster. He, they got me my first pair to fill in there, ended up seeing it months later that my dad had covered it, even though I thought they gave it to me, but somehow they got hold of him and he paid for it. So that was a merit for him. And I actually ended up getting to fill in for him later on. That's another story. But anyway, so I stayed at the Heritage, I ended up Bolsomer, ended up by Aisha Torah. I was like, wow, wow, wow. So then where's the next place? You're gonna come back to England. Where am I gonna go and bring this inspiration after a month in Israel, first time I ever put tefillin on in my life. I had my first Pesach Seder, which was kosher and Mahuda, and you know, I had, uh, it was by Gutman Locks, if anyone's heard of him, a famous guru there. It's a whole story about by, actually I did end up with the jelly, must've been a bit before this trip, because. I, I must have come a few times, I think because of my brother-in-law, because he, when he came back from Sfat, he started learning here more. And he, the rabbi, uh, his name was Shashua. If anyone's remember Shashua, he was an Indian rabbi, long beard. Yeah, he used to tie it up. Anyone remembers him? Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Shashua. Ah, what a sus. Yeah, I was at many of the rabbi's classes. So he, Rabbi Shashua came up to me and told me a story. I literally must have just wandered in here one day. And he said to me, if you're going to Israel, go to the guru, go to Guru Locks, ask for him. 
Yeah, he and he told a whole story about this guru rabbi who stopped an elephant in India, became a famous guru. He was on a rampage, a famous story, a famous person. Find him at the Kotel, tell him I sent you, and he'll. And I went, I went for a Seder night by him. I had the most inspirational time there. I was by Osameh, I was by Aisha Torah, and I needed now somewhere to bring it like on a daily level, as I said. So I was working at my father, I was coming here daily, I was davening here, we had a base midrash program, back then it was Rabbi Hill, if you remember, and Avi Hill, and it, it was different, Rabbi Stepsky, I mean there's obviously a new generation of staff here, but thank God we still have the, the, yeah, the, the, the real greats are still sticking it out, thank God, so amazing, amazing inspiration I got in those days, and it, what it did is it put it now into learning, which is what this place and what Osameh especially is famous for, put it into the Gemara. Put it into learning. Now, because the whole idea is when you have a lot of light, I was getting a lot of light, maybe too much at that time. It's called godless reason. When you first get inspired, it can be overwhelming. It can even be imbalancing. So the best advice that I got at that time, from, especially from Mosameh Jali, was to put it into the learning. Put it into Torah, put it into a clear vessel so that it doesn't just you know overflow and go everywhere. It, it has a place and it starts focusing you on, on a developmental level, and you start to understand more now about all those questions I had, my tradition, who I am, what's the history of our people, like Ribera Wine was phenomenal when I was in Osameh, hearing all his classes firsthand from him, yeah, hearing firsthand from, you know, back in the day, Reb Bullman. Anyone remembers Reb Nachman Bullman? He was my mashkir. Nachman Bullman was a fire. He used to give over the Haftoyah like he was a prophet and say it over with such poetry and and dying, it was just, it was another level with some of the Rabbonim who were around that time, of Isby, of Samet, thank God, should be well. I still talk to him. He's still my Rav, and uh, he was my Masada Kedushin. So I connected in with such amazing people here and there, and it put a vessel to what I needed to accomplish in my life. Now, why did it take 20-something years for me to get around to coming back here and saying this story? So I think the reason is because Everything is the divine, divine providence. For me, that was like the most important principle that inspired me, uh, especially when you go to Rabbi Tatshir or anything like that, you understand this concept of Ashkacha Pratis. That's the, the English word divine providence. Everything has a flow. It's not whatever. If you're going to learn with someone, if we're right now, who's here this moment? It's all meant to be. Who are the souls around you? Who are the souls in your family? These are deep concepts and they're very real concepts and they're very practical because... Once you're aware of it, you can start to tune into what your personal hashkacha practice, what your divine providence is, what your mission is, what your purpose is. So it obviously takes time. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to, to figure out who you are, what you're, what you're here for. But that's really the Torah is really that guiding light. Because it says in the, at the end of the Torah, things start to get very covered up. Asta, asta, ponai. We don't know what's exactly going to be happening. There's a big hest, a big covering, and co a second double covering at the end of days where we are now in 2023. We don't really know so much to explain how what's going on with technology, what's going on with education, what's going on with marriage, what's going on with health. Everything's gone very, you know, intense. Uh, you agree with me? I'm not like making this up. Yeah, it's it's a and that's is in our lifetime. Like the amount of change and the cover-up where we don't have clarity even politically the amount of corruption on all levels yeah with the way the corona was was managed a complete nightmare so that's just an one example of many so we're in such a generation such a cover-up 
and it could bring us, God forbid, anxiety and all these difficult mental issues. And we need clarity more than ever. So that's where the Torah comes and the tshuva and the clarity and the hashkacha pasuk, divine providence, where we start to still have ability to tune in. Because it says in the pasuk, in the parsha, that the Torah will never be forgotten. That's a very important cloud, that even in a very important rule, even in our time, we will not forget the Torah. People like myself, who in theory should never had a connection to Torah, suddenly through a place like the JLE and through divine providence, I was able to discover my own portion in Torah. And that ability to find your own portion, for saying, we say it in Shmon three times a day, and we'll say it on Shabbos. Shabbos is a time where it's even more revealed. Yeah, the same. We would say, Yeah, come on, everyone here. What does that mean? Purify my heart with your truth. Uh, what would I do in such a time without that? Yeah, so we have to be very grateful, one. That's the first principle of Ashkach to now say thank you, Hashem. We're going to talk about Ravorish. You mentioned Ravorish. We have to thank Hashem that we have a Torah, we have a base midrash, we have Rabbonim, we have a Jali, we have an awesome air, we have people who are searching like yourself. This is and a tremendous accomplishment of our people that there's an awakening consistently, and even more so now. Because the more crazy the world gets, the more we need the light. The more the darkness grows, the more the light can, can be. As the Baal Shem Tov says in this week's Parsha, I just read it out, I, I pray in a shul. I don't know if any of you heard of, you, heard of Rav Shlomo Katz. Anyone heard of Rav Shlomo Katz? Yeah, so I pray in a shul, and in, in a frat. I just moved there recently from Yushalayim. And my Rebbe is a Tolner Rebbe. That's where I'm at now. We're going to catch you up where I'm at now. So the Roshama Katz is a big mashbir in, in the general, like Mizrahi, modern, Dati, Jewish world, and a very talented singer. His brother's Aiton Katz, and um, he's also very talented. They play together a lot, and he's connected to all the musicians. He just, he recently got off a phone call with Yishai Rebo with this recent event that he just did in Manhattan, in uh, Square, Madison Square Gardens, and he's friends with Hanan Benari, all these people. So he gave me the merit to speak in a shul this week. It's called Shirat David. It's about 500 to 1,000 families. Beautiful shul. And I spoke there about this concept, very much important and relevant right now, the idea that you know we are holding at a time where we need these cons- the power of tshuva. We need the power of Erev Rosh Hashanah, this kind of awakening from the shofar, from the waking up with slichot. There's a special time to cleanse ourselves, to prepare for what it means to have a relationship with God, to have a relationship with our Creator, with the King. Now, these are concepts that the world, you know, you can ask me questions, I said, I'm happy to discuss, but the world doesn't really, you know, make this the priority anymore. And we, as the Jewish people, have a, a, a mission, an obligation to remind the world, and not in like some crazy religious way, in a very real, balanced, healthy way, that this is a part of our life. This affects our, our marriage, our business, everything. This is real life. This is not just theoretical, spiritual talk. And that, that was one of the important things when you meet the Rabbonim here, I'm sure they're very grounded people, they're, they're successful people. Rabbi Audrey, I mean, I've seen him on some amazing podcasts. 
that this is the way we're communicating nowadays. We're able to connect on all levels. That's why I mentioned I have a podcast, Unity Flow. I have a podcast, Relationship Flow, talking about how we can bring more unity. How do I accomplish more unity? Because that's a big challenge nowadays. I saw that. I don't know if any of you listen to podcasts. You listen to Tim Ferriss, anyone here? Joe Rogan, any of these guys? I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of big podcasters around right now. And one of the concepts is that, that they are very good at finding what is the question that the, the right now is, is challenging people. I mean, that's a Torah concept that the, the non-Jewish people have picked up on. But the, the idea that you should really work hard to figure out the question, what is bothering people? What is not being resolved? Where, where are the difficulties and how can I, for example, in business, bring an industry to service that, that space? That's, that's not being taken care of at this point. So for, that's like a general rule in business. So for example, unity is something which doesn't have much attention in the world generally. Like if, if you look at social media, it's all divisive and I'm in the right camp, I'm in the left camp, blue, red, whatever, you know, it's, it's become a divisive experience. So to bring unity, I, the way I understood it is one obviously has to be with the Torah, it has to be through prayer. But it also has to be through each of us as individuals using our creative abilities and to express that. Because music, media, art, anything creative, being a comedian, yeah, being a, uh, an amazing mentalist, whatever creative avenue it is, or whatever talent it is you have, you have ability to bring people together to an experience that can take them out of that divisive state and bring them to a more unified experience. And music does that. You, you, you with me? You felt that at a show? Like, I remember I was at Live Aid. My uncle put it on with, with, with Bob Geldof, and my father was the, did all the merchandise and nice thing. And I was only like a young boy, but I remember standing there and watching everyone clapping at the same time and Freddie Mercury was saying, we will rock you, mm -hmm. yeah? I was sitting in the royal, royal box there. There was like Prince Di Princess died just a bit, a few rows below, and Prince Charles, and you know, I was experiencing it in such a scenario, and they're all clapping hands like this, and I'm seeing this unified experience through music. Now that's obviously, Freddie Merck's not exactly the biggest righteous person in history. So now if we would be able to create that scenario in our way, yeah, through our, our abilities, then we, we could do that for, for the world in a very real and spiritual way. And that, that's our ability. All of us have that power. So it's just up to us to understand on some level, one, not to underestimate who we are, not to realize that when you come and learn Torah, where it's going to lead. I have, for example, many years of works with, I don't know if you heard of an artist, Nissen Black. Yeah. So Nissen Black is someone I've worked with for, for years already. Um, I met him through a different rapper called Shine Poe, who was introduced, he tried to become Jewish, I don't know, it didn't really work out. But I, through his people, they told me about this rapper in Seattle who's wanting to become Jewish. We connected 2011, we've been very close since then. And I'm part of his booking team. I was his manager at one point, but it's an intense life. I think he's come here at some point. I organized him. I think I booked him to come and speak for the young professionals. Yeah, I organized that with uh, Gemma back in the day, yeah. And uh, yeah, and Dov, Dov Cohen. So but that's one of the things I do. I organize events. So he's a very unifying personality. He's you know, had his journey. I'm just saying each person has to figure out, because it's not just about being, wow, look at Nissim. What can I do to contribute to also be an inspiration? Nissim Black is doing it. 
and I have other artists, like I mentioned already, Shlomo Katz, Aiton Katz, I mentioned them already. But then there's a whole long list. I have a whole booking agency and a large list of singers, speakers. Um, I've even started to now work with uh, female singers. Obviously, once again, the resolution of Kolisha is they will not be singing for you guys, unfortunately. But like Bracha Jaffe, I'm in the middle of a deal working out, start having her, like she's done songs for Thank You Hashem, has got hundreds of thousands of views. Be able to get her to sing for larger audiences. I, I don't know what the controversy here is in London. I heard there was something going on, rather not enter into the politics. Once again, my approach would be unity and making positive things take place. If you have a question about it, please speak to your local rabbi. But the, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there is a, a few podcasts out there that discuss it, like headlines. And, uh, you know, nowadays you've got every every place to go online if you want to hear the discussions. Um, but really, the most important thing is each of you to develop your own voice. That's what the gift of the internet can be, can be your ally. You can develop your own platform, your own voice, or help promote an, a rabbi here or someone you're inspired by. You know, one of the things I was, I, I got to speak at a campaign against anti-Semitism. I don't know if anyone knows who that is, um, but he's a well-known podcaster and he's had lots of um, interesting people on his podcast, like Rudy Rochman, and we're meant to actually bring Rudy here for another month from now. And my uncle was meant to come, but hopefully they'll 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 come back um, in the next season in January or February um, because they're two people. I mean, my, bring my uncle would be a big deal because he's never really spoken, as far as I know, for any Jewish religious organization. He's spoken for Jewish organization, but not a religious one. So that'd be very nice to have him come here. Um, but Rudy has spoken, I think he even spoke here at some point. So we'll be bringing him back, hopefully. Um, and uh, the idea of these kind of personalities, so when I was on the Campaign Against Anti-Semitism podcast myself, they actually interviewed me myself, I spoke and said that one of the most important things we can do to turn the tide of all the hate and negativity is we have to, we have to step up. That means you, each of you have to think about it a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to be going crazy with these phones all day, but it's just on some time when you see an opportunity to promote or to invite, don't be scared, don't be embarrassed, be proud of what you're learning, be proud of what you're doing. Obviously, when it comes to people who are maybe more sensitive, like family, you have to be careful because one of the worst things to do is what I did. <laughs> And uh, I try to push it onto my parents initially and my brothers. It doesn't work. Just take it from me. It doesn't work. You have to be very, very careful how to introduce it. And thank God I had Rabonim like Rabulman and other Rabonim back then who told me to calm down, make sure it's, you know, you're respectful. That's the most important thing. That's showing you're a mensch. That's the biggest thing you can do of all, just being a good person. And that itself will show that the Torah life is, is an amazing opportunity and, and it can share and light for them as well. But it, the main, most important thing is that the truth needs to be known right now. It's, it's a valuable light in the darkness. As I was quoting the Baal Shem Tov uh, in this week in Shirat David, it's a light that lights up the darkness. And I mentioned that uh, I would tell a story. So I was working for my father uh, in the factory there. And we were sending out in those days, they still have actually all the licensing for James Bond. So you can imagine the recent premiere was a big deal and it was online and it was delayed so it made them even more money because it was a few years of just selling and selling and selling before that film came out and uh when i was there i was working they had i don't know what james bond it was then i remember which actor and what which one it was it was in the 90s end of the 90s so, but i was working there and said who 
Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, 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 it was Pierce. So we were sending out, sending out, sending out. And it was also wrestling was a big thing back then, WWE and F. My, bro, my dad's got a great picture of him and Hulk and Hulk Hogan saying, holy brother, and like <laughs> holding each other. It's really an amazing picture. But I, I was sending out all this stuff to all the people and I was listening, it was a Walkman. Who remembers Walkmans? Mm. Yeah. yeah, so I was listening to a Walkman and I was listening to all the tapes I got from here and from Osamech in Israel, uh, Rabbi Tatz and uh, Victor Miller and all the great speakers back there, Fischer Schechter when he was still younger, he used to go up with like a very uh, fun Pasha Shir and all this kind of stuff I had with me and I was listening to it and listening to it while I, and then I'd come and learn in the morning here and I got to Israel a few months later because I made that choice. Of, I really have to take it the next step. I'm not going to go back another year university. I'm not saying everyone should do that. Get your degree, do, finish off whatever you need to do. Now you can do it online probably anyway. But um, I went to Israel. I was all gung-ho, gung-ho for Torah. And I came and I was sitting in yeshiva in Israel. And I found out my father. And he says, what have you done? I said, I don't know. I'm in Israel. You know about it. He says, yeah, that I know, but what did you do when you were working for me? What happened to all those orders? Yeah. You know how many orders went to the wrong place? He said, with the amount of complaints we've had and things sent back and you confuse this, confuse that. And I said to myself, I'm not saying this is good advice. I'm just saying what happened to me. That literally because I was so absorbed with that journey of consuming Torah at that time and listening to all these great shirim and I just was hungry for it. So I ended up messing up half the orders. <laughs> so it, it was like, a, you know, it wasn't where I needed to be at that time in a warehouse doing boxes and stuff. I needed to, to, to grow. This was my time of life, young age, before I had the family and responsibilities to really learn. And that's what I did, thank God. And I, I was in the right place at the right time, as I said, divine providence, and they sent me. So I just want to give you all a blessing. And once again, anyone can ask any questions uh, about my journey and what I'm doing. Um, you know, it's amazing to be here, and all of you should be blessed. I'm a Kohen as well, so, and in terms of Siddiquim, Rebbers, I've had the merit of being very close with many holy Rabbonim and Yushalayim, and obviously including the Rabbonim and Osamet, but also beyond that, I had a, I don't know if anyone's heard of Rav Simai Zilberberg, I was very close with him, and the Kalev Rebbe. And when I come Friday night, please God, and we'll do a little speech then, be a bit, a little bit different, more Shabbos, more, more uh, uplifting and uh, elevating for all of us. Um, I'll be wearing my strimal that I got from the Kalavar Rebbe, and uh, you know that's the kind of help that the Siddiquim have given me in my journey, coming from a world of music and entertainment and very little Judaism. That I was very much welcomed in the community in Yushalayim and Beitar and at Beit Shemesh, where I've all lived. I moved ten times, and now it's very interesting. I'm in the Efrat community. And they're growing, they're wanting Hasidus, they're wanting Panemius. And I've been very much accepted there with my Strymo and with my Bekesha, even though they're wearing different clothing to me. And that's part of my unity message to Am Yisrael, that we don't all need to be boxed off into our little boxes and communities, that we can all communicate and we can connect and we can forbring and we can have Shabbases together. And thank God I'm experiencing it in, in live time, in, li in real time. And I feel very blessed in that way. Um, living in the Holy Land. So uh, if anyone wants to ask anything before we end off, I'm happy questions. Oh, so thank you, Yaakov. Yeah. 
Very important that we bring up the mineral. By the way, the live feed went down so that it's not meant to be recorded, but the audio is here. So that's good. Um, the idea of the Midnight Rabbi was created by the students themselves. Yeah, I've done a bunch of media about this back in the day at Oret Sheva, which is an Israeli thing, because I did a bunch of concerts there. But the Midnight Rabbi, basically, I had this feeling late at night, I couldn't sleep. I went out of my room, went out of my house, and started walking the streets of Jerusalem. I lived right next to near where town is, and I saw it's packed with kids all night, almost every night, especially at the beginning of the year. Of the all the guys are wired from the from the, what do they call it from the you know the jet lag, and they, they never really recover, and then they really get into Seder, and then they're back in America for Sukkot, and then they come back jet lagged again, and then they never really get maybe by Hanukkah, you know, especially the Americans have that excuse a bit more but basically it's packed yeah and I started thinking you know I, I was doing a program for Rabbonim uh, to teach in yeshiva and I was work I got a job working for a rabbi from Orsameh who opened up yeshiva called Netzach if anyone remembers Netzach anyone remember Netzach so it was a it was a very special place for uh, you know they call it at-risk at teenagers and I was working there, and the way I would it was a Shemitah year back then I was sitting there, I don't know why Shemitah came to my mind, but it came, it means the seventh year. So I was waiting there playing the Xbox at night, keeping them off the streets. And I realized the later I come, this is more of a service because I'm keeping them away from that action, the drink, the women, the whole experience. And they're going to hang out with me instead or one of the other staff and we'll talk, we'll play pool, we'll, we'll actually connect. So I started creating this position and it was called the Xbox Rabbi. There was another yeshiva that were interested and I went there, Ne'er Yaakov, and I started going there even later. And this was like now, after Netzach, I'd go there around 1.30 till 4 in the morning. And I started hanging out. You think, what's the guy doing at 1.30? And it was, I'd always have boys, always have what to do. I was learning uh, Ben Ishchai, I was learning Tanya, Lakuti Maran. I was learning with the boys after they'd just been out at night. I'd even sometimes walk and wander into town and grab a few of them, bring them back, take them to Fabrengen and the Chabad house, my Anot, or... Uh, Rabbi Avson, the rap. It was always opportunities. Yeah, to sort of cut a long story short, you know, because I'm saying uh, I don't want to be too marik too much. But the point was, the kids themselves said to me, "Who are you, Rabbi?" So one guy said, "He's the Midnight Rabbi." <laughs> so I said, "Wow, that's a good name." And he then said, "I'll make for you an email, Midnight Rabbi." So he did, and then we'll keep in touch that way because I wasn't even online at that time. I'd completely disconnected from internet, from anything. Like had my, I mentioned one of my best friends who had got my property in, Bo in uh, Brighton that was right next to the Chabad rabbi and miles around. So he also came to visit me. And the only way to get hold of me is through a house line back in that day. I had no email or anything before I got them in that rabbi email. So he would phone me up and somehow get hold of me or my wife or something. And it ended up staying by me for Shabbat and having this spiritual experience. He's now totally from, he's probably helped the jelly, I imagine. He's probably helped also, helped H, helped everyone. I'm not going to say his name. Yeah. <laughs> the most private individual. And, uh, you know, he, but all those Shabbos, I remember flying to him to Amsterdam. Literally, I went there and my mind was to put fill in on him and hang out. And I did. And talk him out of his non-Jewish uh, situation at that time. And thank God he's married to Jews, having pleased God. I was at his wedding. I brought eight of cats, Alex Clare, but all the great people to his wedding with his help. And it was an amazing experience. And he's done amazing. So you never know what you could do for a friend as well, just by being there in your journey, even if they don't initially totally get what you're up to and they build their journey. But their journey can then complement your journey because it has so much. Yeah. 
So the Minnow Rabbi, to get back to it, once I was called the Minnow Rabbi, I can't lose a name like that. And I actually have an Instagram and I, you can Google it. Minnow Rabbi is like a functioning uh, platform and it's done a lot of work, mostly in person. But I spent about five years on the streets doing this. I ended up in the very uh, Sion as well. And that was by the time I think I met Yaakov and I met uh, Nuki Chizuk and all the club clubhouse boys and and uh, Oliver Shalom, uh, Daniel Burrell, unfortunately, I think that's where his, you know, that's where there was some, you know, real pain points just recently hearing about him. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't always, you know, I mean, he was alive for a long time, but from those days, but it's very painful because I have unfortunately buried a bunch of those kind of boys, uh, not me personally, but being at the, you know, even as a Cohen, but being at the the funerals of, and, you know, even a, a great Rosh Hashiva's grandson, one of them, and, uh yeah, so it's, you know, this it's a life or death situation on a certain level, what's going on with the, the teenage at risk culture. But I said it recently at uh, Shirat David, I said in our generation, we're all teenage, we're all a teenage at risk, we're all at risk, the whole generation, in my opinion. And no one in this class disagreed with me, actually appreciated the point that if we put that status that we're all at, at risk, then we have all those tools that the at-risk community gets, which is tremendous devotion and dedication from the community because they really want to help them and they'll get one-on-one -on -one attention and they'll get you know opportunities to go through real healing and real conversations and not just be pushed to this, oh, you're doing okay, so there's a thousand of you guys all steiging on the Gemara, so you don't really need our attention. The at-risk status gives us a very real connection, just like the special hinner, special ed. You ever had a child special ed? You know, had anything with special ed? Special ed, have, have a child special ed. The best program ever. Better than all my other kids' programs are special ed. Because they do everything for these kids. And there's no judgment. And they just build them and build them and build them. He just went to a very high-level regular yeshiva this year, thanks to all their investment. But one of the things I told him is, don't forget what you got at your special ed program. Don't be embarrassed about it and go back there regularly and visit with them and speak with them and keep that connection because there's nothing like those kind of people. They call it an Israel Chinuch Miyuchad because it's special and it's Miyuchad, it's for you. So I always thought that that's really the, 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 the way of, and that was the Midnight Rabbi. I would give one-on-one -on -one attention to everyone. And it doesn't matter what time of night, what time of day, I'd come back again in the day and learn with them. And they'd come for Shabbos. We'd have like 10 guys every week. And, uh, you know, even when we couldn't afford it, we somehow managed it. And uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing time period uh, to, to work for the yeshivas and do that. I had to get a day job eventually. But, you know, it, it was an amazing honor to do that. So any other questions? Anything going on in your life? I don't know. How do you all feel about uh, the jelly? Anyone all very happy, appreciative? That's average. Average. <laughs> what would you like to, uh, just one improvement that you'd, and is it, you know, this is something I always had. I'd like this. <laughs> what? Salary. Salary. I'd like the education. I'd like this thing, that thing. And then a guy once said to me a very wise thing. He said, I hear all the things you're saying, but what are you going to do about it? That's always the, that's always the you know the question back. Are you going to be proactive? Are you going to go now and what you're struggling with, try to do something about it? And that's that's a good point. I'd like it to be a bit more environmentally friendly. A healthy, environmentally less plastic. Yeah. My brother is on your side. You're not. But Why? Are you? I think it's a great. We have to always look after our environment. It, the idea of a tamachochem is it says in the Misty like Yisharim. Wherever he goes, he, make, he leaves his environment in a better state than he came.
So really, we should always have that in mind. We go to a place not to waste, not to... I'm a bit crazy about it, also to the point where my Israeli kids don't totally get it, because Israel's even less aware. If you want to come and educate Israelis about it, that would be a big challenge, how to be less uh, wasteful. Um, one of the great things of Simcha Halls is what they do is they, they take all the food and give it out to other people. That's an amazing, amazing opportunity. I wonder where this went off. Okay, we'll resume. Uh, anything else okay so we are going to end off this wonderful class in the in the jelly with 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 a reminder you have shabbat coming up it's thursday night do what you can to prepare for a day the way i understand shabbat for our generation is a beautiful opportunity to disconnect, to reconnect. Just to take a time out of all this stuff and connect. You know, that's why I said the JLE is a place, connect now, the Wi-Fi is connect now, yeah? The place you walk in, Shabbat, just leave the phones, give yourself a break. It's like mentally advisable. The big guys in, uh, in the high-tech world know about the importance of having a Sabbath. From They've all come to respect the Jewish Sabbath for their own mental well-being. It's not something which is just a Jewish thing anymore. It's like become a, a global need. And uh, just you really, you know, jump into the opportunities to be able to be hosted by rabbis like this and inspiring people, because that's what changed my life. I tell you, if you would ask me what the most important thing about my Jewish journey back from being a more secular Jew to the Jerley and also man, the most important part was the Shabbos meals and the, the experiences of family. And talking, real conversations. Hopefully, if in England it's going to be more China than plastic, yeah. So you're going to take care of that problem also. Um, you know, th there's a tremendous opportunity, and uh, yeah, um, I think that you know you should just realize that this this Tishrei is a Shabbos sticker year. It begins Rosh Hashanah and Shabbat. Sukkot is going to be the first day of Shabbat. Yeah, Shabbos. So realize there's a special Shabbos energy this year. The Shabbos is going to do what the shofar usually does this year. The Shabbos is going to do what usually the Lulav and Esrog does this year. The Shabbos is going to do what these big mitzvahs is going to have the power to bring those blessings because it has tremendous, it's a treasure and he's giving it to us every week. It's the best gift. And to really take advantage of it, it's also an amazing time to learn. We're going to learn here hopefully together Friday night. And I'm sure there are other Rabbonim are going to have some programs going on. Take advantage of it. Uh, don't just use it for sleeping, use it for spiritual elevation and and especially when this Shabbos is Moksi Shabbat, it's Shabbos Slichas, so then you get to take it into the new year and to, to realize it's a big, the, the, the Rosh Hashanah to come is in this Shabbos. So really step up a little bit in your Jewishness and your connection and uh, everyone should be blessed with that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Pleasure. I appreciate it. I got bought this. I got bought this by my wife.
Sounds really familiar. Is your family? No, Oh, you're from Scotland? They do have guest speakers all the time at Shuren Babir, my So I think he's had them. Does he have a strong there no, he's only for there or he's been back to his father's in a first still. He's a young guy, he's 40. They do that, that's my speaker. That's why I let me speak there. Thank you, thank you. 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 the more Jewish content keeps my mind away from I mean I still think those pod, some of those podcasts in general are very important but to have a solid list of important informative and quality podcasts is very needed nowadays more than ever it's hard to always get to the, to the classes to get to the thank you thank you a trip down memory lane I'm sure he's a I remember him I remember that actually. Was in Arabic Abira for a while. Yeah. Or, 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 uh, I was at the Chancellor. He wasn't there when I was there. Right. Different uh, programs, but yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's a nice. Anyone come to Friday night? Yeah. 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 It's a nice. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
doing the yeah, yeah, this, this is all new. This is all that. Yeah. When did this? Oh, this is where oh, this is spoke. I wonder where this was. This is where this is spoke. Yeah. yeah. So this is, that was the where we dabbled as well. Now. That was the opening night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where we dabbled now. Because I was like, what is well, this? Well, this is the Arana College. On wheels. On wheels. And we put a kitchen out here. Amazing. Yeah. Nice. The, the main base is now used by the Swadish Shuka. Mm. Yeah. It's that fun. Yeah. I run fantasy now. Yeah, that's fine. They didn't like it. What about Rudy? I went to the brilliant school, guys. We rocked with Rudy. Wow, yeah, he's amazing. Don't actually know that. The building, 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 Oh, wow. 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 My dad should be outside. I need to actually go there.